Well, I am so excited and so glad and privileged to be with you all today to worship in our joint worship together uh, with Maryland uh, Christian Church. Um, it's been something I've been looking forward to for a long time. Years ago, I had the opportunity actually to be the pastor uh, and be the preacher for a joint service uh, back when Pastor Chad was here. So that was a lot of fun for me years ago and was always looking forward to this um, um, as I have been with you all for a few years. But we weren't able to because of COVID and of course, uh, kind of sad about that. And now we're being, we're able to do this again. And so we're here today. Uh, not just representing two distinct communities, because the truth of the matter is there are communities within communities. We are a diverse people. God has created a world that is full of culture and just beautiful diversity. Um, we see a variety of plants. My wife and I are trying to fix up our front of our house and trying to pick which flowers are going to go out. I have a new friend from Hawaii who just moved here. Um, and last couple Sundays ago, she was looking outside at all of the different flowers that we have here in Maryland that were not there. Thanks, Cody, for pointing out and reminding me of the beauty that is here. Um, and I love the diversity that we have of animals and species and all of that kind of stuff. And I'll just be honest, um, I especially like diversity in food. Anybody with me? All I know is I can say, I'm looking forward. I'm going to eat well. Are you going to eat well? We're all going to eat well today. Um, it is going to be a good day of eating. So um, I'm excited about this. And today is a really a time when we can actually be together um, and celebrate that diversity. I don't know of another time in history where we have so much access um, to television shows from different nations, from music from different nations, from just all of the different diversity in the world. Um, I have the great privilege of spending time working with college students um, at a, a different campuses, and some of you guys are UMBC students and UMBC graduates. Um, that's a picture from the student union at UMBC, and you see all of the different flags that represent the different international students that are on that campus. But reality is, it's not just the international students who are here. There are so many who are first and second and 1.5 generation students who are attending our colleges and universities. This is an incredible time to just be together, to learn from each other, to celebrate the diverse cultures and backgrounds and foods. Did I mention food again? Um, the foods that we have in this world. I love it. I love the fact it doesn't matter that Hollywood's on strike because Bollywood's still up and going, people. I mean, we, we've got a lot of opportunity to see a lot of different, uh, uh, just the rich cultures of the world. Well, um, the early Christian church was actually also very diverse. Um, it grew from its Jewish roots to spread to every nation very quickly. But even in its beginning, when the Christian church was essentially people of Jewish descent, there was diversity even there. And here's an interesting fact. The scripture records a whole lot of passages where that diversity actually caused conflict in the early church. Let's look at this. In, in Acts chapter 6, uh, we're going to see a little part of this. It says, in those days when the number of disciples, that people who were choosing to follow Jesus, uh, was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. Okay, quick little background here. Um, 
for many of the Jewish people of the time, they held fast to the traditions of the fathers. They used the, the Hebrew language and the Aramaic language, and, and they dressed in the more traditional dress. They ate the more traditional foods. They were the Hebraic Jews. They were the Hebrews of the Hebrews, the more Jewish of the Jewish. But then there were others that began to adopt, right, the ways of the world around them. Hellenism was the spread of Greek language and culture that had gone throughout the, what was then the Roman world. Um, it was spread by Alexander the Great and his, um, later the kingdoms that followed him. And Greek language was even the, became the language of the New Testament. Greek language and culture was everywhere. Well, sometimes there was some prejudicial things that were happening between those that held fast to the more traditional ways and those who had adopted the more modern culture of the world that they were living in. Some of you have lived through some of those tensions that often occur between a first generation and second generation, between language barriers that perhaps begin to develop. And here, as that early Christian church formed, and Jews from all around uh, the Roman world had come to celebrate in the Passover in Jerusalem, those Christians, those new people who became believers were mixed into one congregation. But those old tensions, those conflicts over diversity had begun to form. But we need to realize that in those moments of diversity, those mo there was an opportunity for the Christians to show love. In Acts chapter 6, how did they solve this issue? The Hebraic Jews were overlooking the Hellenistic Jews, these more cosmopolitan Jews, in the daily distribution of food. How did they solve it? They elected, the church selected seven men, all of them who had Greek names, all of them who were more Hellenistic Jews, seven men to be in charge of the food distribution. They made sure that inclusion was important in that congregation, that people were being treated fairly, that everyone was experiencing love in that early con congregation. They went out of their way to ensure that equity was happening. Diversity is actually an opportunity for us to show the love that God has called us to. Well, the church spread. It didn't stay in Jerusalem. In fact, persecution broke out and Christianity began to spread. In Acts chapter 11, we see a record of that spread up to a place called Antioch. It says now in verse 19 of Acts chapter 11, in those days, those who had been scattered because of persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed, traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus, and there it is, Antioch, spreading the word about Jesus only among the Jews. At first, they only shared Jesus with their fellow Jews, people who already understood a coming Messiah would come, already had a background in the Old Testament prophecies and promises. They only spread it among Jews, but it couldn't stay there. Jesus had told us in Matthew 28, he had told his disciples to go and make disciples of all nations. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? that Jesus said, go make disciples of all nations, because had he not told for all nations, if he was only the Jewish Messiah, I wouldn't have known him. I wouldn't have had the experience with him. Aren't you glad that Jesus said, go to all nations? And today, I wonder how many nations are represented here today. 
Certainly we have those who maybe see, identify mostly as American, as European, but I also recognize there are people of various descents, not just Korean. And it's exciting to me that we are all people and the gospel broke forth. Look what happened in Antioch. Look what happened there. It says, some of them, however, in verse 20, men from Cyprus and Cyrene went out to Antioch and began to speak to the Greeks as well, telling them about the good news of Jesus. Well, the Lord's hand was with them, it says in the next verse, and a great number of people believed and turned in the Lord. This was an incredible revival in the city of Antioch. All of a sudden, those Hellenistic Jews began to share the message of Jesus. The Messiah has come. Miracles were happening. People were hearing the good news that God loves them, that they can have a relationship with God. It comes through faith in Jesus Christ. And all of a sudden, the gospel exploded. The apostles were like hearing a word of this in Jerusalem. And they sent Barnabas up there to check things out. What's going on up there in Antioch? All of these Gentiles, all of these non-Jewish people coming to faith in Jesus. And as Barnabas came, he saw and more and more people began to come to know Jesus. This ended up being another conflict in the church. In fact, the entire letter of the book of Galatians is written about a conflict that developed did the nations, did the non-Jewish people have to become Jewish first before they could become Christians? Did they have to observe all the Jewish dietary laws? Did they have to observe all the Jewish holidays and feast days? Did they have to, the men have to be circumcised? Did they have to become Jewish in order to truly be followers of Jesus? the entirety of the book of Galatians. We see um, the entirety of the chapter, Acts 15, where the Jerusalem council met to question this issue. And we see Paul and Barnabas and Peter and those early apostles arguing clearly that no, it is faith in Jesus alone. It, 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 Christ alone is our salvation and our relationship with God. Isn't it interesting that the diversity caused a conflict which actually resulted in clarity, doctrinal clarity for what Christian church was going to be all about. It was going to be about faith in Christ alone. It did not come if the church had, it would not have come if the church had only remained within its Jewish confines. It is because of diversity that Christians were able to show love. It was because of diversity that Christians were able to bring doctrinal clarity about what Jesus, the message of Jesus, was all about. I don't think it's ironic, actually, that Antioch was the first place that Christians were called Christians. That's what it tells us. Uh, look at verse 25. Then Paul uh, and Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch, so that for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. And don't miss this. The disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. We bear the name Christian because of what those disciples who they were, called little Christ. They imitated Jesus. They showed the love to all people. Old, young, rich, poor, Jewish, non-Jewish, people from all over the Roman Empire and beyond. All nations were included in the kingdom of God. It's a wonderful thing when we share the name Christian. We share the tradition of those who said, no, all barriers are to be broken down as we bring the good news and message of Jesus, hope for the hopeless, love to those who feel unloved, uh, 
of reconciliation for those who are separated, we bear the name Christian in the tradition of those from Antioch who first shared the gospel in great numbers to those who were not Jewish. So here, we celebrate today diversity. But I want us to move on from that because it's not just our diversity It's actually the unity that God brings to this diverse people that he talked about. When we look at what our Lord Jesus talks about, we are actually right here today assembled two congregations, but we're sharing the fact that we have one Lord and one calling. The Apostle Paul echoes this idea in Ephesians when he says, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father all, who is over all and who through all and in all. When we are all together, we are celebrating one King, Jesus, one Messiah, one hope for salvation, one eternity, one calling and one purpose in life that God has given us. God has given us as a diverse people an incredible unity. An incredible unity. This is a unity that Jesus prayed about. And we're going to look at a couple points that I want us to see from Jesus' prayer that Pastor Lee um, and Pastor Barry read for us just a moment ago. The first thing I want you to see in Jesus' prayer, that true Christian unity begins with a right relationship with God. Let me just stop right there. True Christian unity begins with a right relationship with God. We didn't sign up for the same sports team, okay? We're not playing on the same intramural group. So if you want to come on Mondays, pickleball is pretty fun, and uh, I'm I'm getting better. Uh, I'll just, I'll just, I'm in the win column now, uh, Nate. I just want to let you know I'm in the win column. Okay, Um, we are having, but we are not on the same sports team. We might all root for the. Who are we rooting for? Oh, we're rooting for the Orioles right now. All right, we're all rooting for the Orioles, right? Maybe, maybe not. We're not all on the same sports team. We didn't all sign up for the same political party. We didn't all sign up to work in the same uh, institution or uh, place in industry. We're part of one kingdom with one king. It begins with a faith relationship with God through Jesus Christ. That's what gives us a unity and a, and a presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Let's look at this in Jesus' prayer. Look at uh, Matt, John chapter 17. It says this, My prayer is not for them alone. I pray for those who believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. Now, don't miss this. He begins his prayer by saying, not for them alone. He was praying for his apostles. He was praying for the first early church. He'd been praying for his disciples that were there and living at that time. And then he moves on. Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, on the night before he would go to the cross, Jesus prayed for us. For us right? It says, I didn't pray for them alone. I'm praying for all who would believe the message. If you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, that includes you. You were part of this prayer. And what does Jesus pray? He prays for their unity, that they would all be one. All of them might be one. But notice how he describes that unity. It is not just of mental assent. It is of a spiritual reality, a spiritual reality that brings this unity. What does he say? 
just as you are in me, the Father in the Son, and the Son in the Father. So he speaks and says and that we, he, we are in him. In 2 Corinthians, it echoes this idea. It says, now it is God who makes both us, that's the ones who were with Paul at the time, writing to the Corinthian Christians, us and you stand firm in Christ. So you see the unity? He says, he has anointed us by his seal of ownership, and he has put his spirit into our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. If you've been in, our, in uh, Valley Baptist Church long, you've heard me speak about this a lot. Christian faith is not just a set of beliefs. Did you know the devil believes Jesus is the Messiah? He knows Jesus is the Messiah. The demons believe there's only one God, and they are in fear. It's not just your beliefs. It's a life transformation that when you put your faith in Jesus, when you come to say, Jesus, I believe you are the Messiah. I am asking you for salvation. Save me, redeem me, rescue me. Having believed, you are marked with a seal, the scripture says. That's what it says right here in 2 Corinthians. Right, here, right wherever you're looking. <laughs> right in 2 Corinthians. He is a seal. The Holy Spirit comes into your life. You are born again. You are regenerated. You are made into a new creation. Are you hearing me? There's the old you, and then there's you 2.0 if you're a Christian. There's the old you. It was just you. But now there's the opportunity to have the Holy Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing our inheritance, guaranteeing our eternity, and placing us within a body, a body wed together by the Holy Spirit. We all share of the same Spirit, Paul tells us in Romans 12. It is all one Spirit, that one body in Christ. He says we have different gifts by that same Spirit. We are appointed to different roles by that same Spirit, but it is one Spirit. It is one spiritual reality. It is one unity. That means I am connected to you. You are valuable to me, and I am valuable to you. I, we are part of the body of Christ together. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. That one spirit resides in us, the seal of ownership. Brothers and sisters, that may be kind of like, well, when are we eating? No, the glory is not in the food. No, I'm, I'm, it's going to be glorious. The glory is in now, the body of Christ together, you and me having the Spirit of God live inside of us. Listen to how Jesus speaks of that glory. Um, in John 17, it says, I have given them, his people, the people who put their faith, I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one. Notice the unity, as we are one. I am in them. You are in me, so that they may be brought into complete unity. As we abide in Christ through his spirit residing in us, through his spirit bearing fruit in our lives, through his spirit having control and guiding our lives, we are brought together in unity, complete unity. This is the hope of the glory of God that the Apostle Paul talks about, what he says in Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. He says, To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Brothers and sisters, wherever we go this week, 
we take the glorious presence of God with us. Now, some of us, got to be honest, we might not look all together every day. This was one of those weeks. It was one way I, I walked out of the house, and I think I forgot to comb my hair, and I saw myself in a bathroom later in the day, and everything was sticking straight up. I thought, oh, I'm not so looking so good. I told my poor wife this morning, I got something on my shirt. I had to go into the bathroom and was cleaning my shirt this morning. I don't know where it came from. <coughs> Juwan thought a bird pooped on my shirt. I, I wasn't looking so good. I, I'm thinking, well, I've got this tie. I'll just kind of pull my tie over and cover it up. We, we, we may not look on the outside. That good. Paul says, on the outside, we may be wasting away, but on the inside, there's a glory that's going from glory to glory. We are being transformed from the inside out. The Holy Spirit resides in us. We have a glorious presence of the living God that the world needs to see. Brothers and sisters, if we're going to experience this unity that the world needs to see, it begins with this reality of relationship with God. You may be one that's here this morning that's on the outside. You don't know Jesus yet. You've never given your life to Jesus yet, but today might be your day. If you will say yes to Jesus, he promises to forgive your sins, to wash them away, to make you righteous before God, to give you an eternity in heaven, and to make you part of this body of believers forever. It's a glorious thing. Well, I have a second point for us, and it's a point that we need to know. <clears throat> because just like the early church, our unity in the Spirit helps bring doctrinal clarity here about salvation. Our unity in the Spirit also helps us be, bear witness to the world. Bear witness to the world. Christian unity results in a right representation of God together. It's good when we get along. It's good when we share the unity of God's calling. It's good when we are together as believers. Why? Because the world needs to see it. Look at Jesus' prayer. My prayer, he says, is not for them alone. I pray for those who will believe in me, that's us, through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. And listen to the rest of that verse. May they also uh, be in us so the world might believe that you sent me. Though the world might believe that you sent me. We all know that this world is so divided. Just turn on the news and hear about the political conflicts in this country. But it's not just here. It's around the globe. We know that there's political conflict. We know that our families have conflict. Anybody family conflict? Oh, you, okay, you don't have to raise your hand. Um, everybody knows our families sometimes have tension and conflict within them. We know that we have conflict with our neighbors and conflict with, at work. And con there is a division among us that comes. We know it. We experience it on a daily basis. And it's a world that doesn't know Jesus. Jesus said in his prayer that the world doesn't know him. Look at verse 25. It says, Righteous Father, though the world doesn't know you, I know you, and they know you've sent me. What does Jesus want? A world that doesn't know him to come to know him. To come to know him, and they see it through our love and through our unity. Jesus revealed two ways, really, that Christians, uh, the unity of believers, cause non-Christians to be almost jealous for what we have, to desire this unity that we share in Christ. Um, first, uh, we see it on this next slide. First, we demonstrate 
a love for one another that is a radical love. Jesus says this in verse 26, I have made you, God, known to them, and I'll continue to make you known to them in order that, don't miss this, the love you have for me may be in them, and that I myself may be in them. The love of God. You've experienced it. Hopefully you've met it. Hopefully you've encountered it. The love of God that came for us when we were still sinners and Christ died for us. This is the love that the Father has for the Son. There is no one that the Father loves more than the Son. I mean, think about the love that some of you all, as we have come approaching Father's Day, how your fathers have shown you love or how you as fathers have loved your children. The fa- God the Father loves the Son, and he says, I want that same love, that intensity that God showed us in his love for us through Jesus would be amongst each other that you would be sacrificial, that you would be giving, that you would be those that would give it all so that someone would know this incredible love that God has shown to us. We have that opportunity to show this kind of love. Jesus says it in John 13, right before he's going to the cross, his last instructions to his disciples. He says in verse 34, a new command I give you, love one another. As I've loved you, you must love one another. In the same way Jesus loved, we have to love. Why? What's well, in verse 35? By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. That's so easy. Isn't that simple? Just, just love each other. The news this week was talking about the divisions. Oh yeah, the Southern Baptists, our denomination here at Valley Baptist, is going through a pretty big conflict. I had dinner yesterday with a young woman who's part of a United Methodist church, and they're, they're, her church is leaving, and they're having a, a, a fight with their, their denomination. You can pick any one of the groups. You can pick any church, and there, there's going to be some kind of conflict there. I'll tell you, we're doing pretty good here. Pastor Lee and I, I had to apologize this morning. We, we get along really good. It, it, we've, been, we've been pretty well. Um, I don't know if you know this, but Pastor Lee is actually, comes from a Presbyterian background, but went to a Baptist seminary. <clears throat> I came from a Baptist seminary, but I'm wearing a tie from a Korean Presbyterian seminary today. You have to look real close, but uh, it's actually a tie from a Korean seminary that they gave me. Um, so we, we're doing pretty good here. I think we're doing pretty well with the unity that we're showing. But it's challenging, isn't it? There's always something that rubs you wrong. There's always something that irritates you. There's always something that you would do differently. You know, there's something that just makes me mad. I don't think people understand. There is always some kind of something that God can use to destroy the unity that we have as believers. Brothers and sisters, let's love one another as Jesus told us to do. In John 17, he says this, The second piece is hope. The second piece is hope. We live together in unity of hope. This is not our home. Here's what he says in John verse 17, or verse 24. Father, I want those you've given me to be with me where I am and see my glory. That's Jesus' glory in heaven. The glory you've given me because you love me before the creation of the world. 
Jesus longs for our full redemption. He longs for the day when we will be translated, that these bodies which are passing away will be gone, and we will be in our new permanent body, home with him forever, that we will be with the Lord and see Jesus as he is face to face. Jesus longs for us to be in that place. And the older I get, the more I'm like, it's sounding better and better to me, i got to be honest. Man, the new body and the new home. There's things that I would miss here. Did I mention the food? I, I keep that, my mind keeps thinking, it's out there. It's cooking right now. I, I, I'm, I'm excited about the food. But then I realize, wait a second. The Lord's going to put me in a place, not only with the Son, but with all of you. And I'm planning on my next-door neighbors to be very good cooks. I'm hoping Dick Gobley is right next door to me and he can you know, continue to do the barbecue. I'm waiting for um, some good Korean barbecue right next door to me. I, I'm looking for a good place. But we have a place in heaven to be with the Son, to be gathered forever. And that's our hope in Jesus. In John 14, Jesus said, My Father's house has many rooms. If that weren't so, I would have told you uh, that I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you may be with me where I am. Brothers and sisters, if you're a believer, if you're a believer, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you put your trust in him, we're going to be neighbors. We're going to be neighbors forever, for eternity. And I'm glad. We might as well get along now. We might as well love each other now because we let, share a hope, a hope of eternity together under one king. Now, <laughs> for some of you today, that might not be your hope. You've never experienced the love of Jesus. You've never said, yes, today is your day. If you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, would you accept Jesus today? Would you say yes to him today? And if you're a follower in Christ, would you come and maybe join one of these congregations to say, yes, I'm going to be part of one Lord, one faith, one baptism. I want to be part of one body filled with one spirit, uh, called to one hope, and you want to be here with us. Today is a day for a decision. How are you living out the reality that is God's love for you? Today we're going to sing one more song. The worship team is going to lead us, um, our combined team today is going to lead us in one more song. And as they sing, would you make that commitment to Jesus if you've never made that commitment to Jesus? Would you decide, I want to be part of this church, if you've never decided to be part of this church? Um, if you uh, would like to make some kind of a decision, I'll be here at the front. Pastor Barry, Pastor Lee, if you need to speak with one of us, you're welcome to. Or speak to us during the lunch. We would love to share with you more about how to follow Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the unity that you've given in your Son. Thank you for the life that we have in his name. Father, we call you Father together. Bless this congregation, all of your congregations, and all of your people. Help us, Lord. We pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen.